Would you turn with me this evening to Mark, the seventh chapter? Anybody believing with me this evening? We're going to pray. We're going to release our faith. If you haven't been with us in these Friday nights, let me make you aware that we are in the middle of a series. Actually, just about right in the middle of the series. <laughs> and you'll see why I say that, because uh, we've been teaching on the subject and, and ministering on the subject of receiving and ministering healing. And we've been having healings too. Have you heard about some of these healings? I mean, you've heard these testimonies. We've heard some really good ones. Amen. Outstanding, I should. They're all good, but I mean, even some outstanding ones too. We believe very strongly that God still heals today. And not just through doctors. We thank God for doctors. But the Lord hasn't given doctors to us as our healer. They're a natural helps ministry to the far greater ministry of the Lord. Amen. And uh, we believe that it is God's will for all to be healed today. Now that's something that sets us apart from some other folk. Because there's a lot of Christians that believe God could heal if he wanted to. And if it's his will, and almost always after people say that, they come back to thinking, well, it's not his will for you. Yeah, God could heal you if it was his will. But then folk usually conclude, well, this must not have been his will. How would you conclude it wasn't his will? Like one person said to, to a minister, he asked him, he said, well, do you believe it's God's will to heal you? And they said, well, I don't know. And he said, well, how are you going to find out? And they said, well, I thought you'd pray for me. And if I got healed, well, then that means it was his will. And if I didn't, well, then that meant it wasn't. Hmm? No. That'd be like praying for somebody's lost. And then if they got born again, it was his will to save them. And if they didn't get born again, well, it wasn't. People's lack of receiving does not reveal the will of God. There's all kind of people in the earth fail to receive all kind of things. That doesn't mean it was God's will for them to do without. It just meant for for some reason, whatever it was, they didn't receive. And here comes in the problem is that so many people like what I call no-fault religion. (laughs) Anybody know what that would be? No-fault religion? That means no matter what happens or doesn't happen... It's not my fault. Right? And and the people in the pew like it. And the preachers like it. Because they say, well, hey, you know, we just prayed and left it up to God. And if it happens, it happens. If it don't, it don't. It's just all up to God. And and if it didn't happen, it's not my fault. And the preacher says, amen. It's not my fault either. (laughs) And it's nobody's fault, but nobody receives either. I don't like that deal. Hmm? And that's not the Bible. The Bible gives us a lot of responsibility. Did you know that? You have not. Why? Because you ask not. Ask and receive not because you didn't ask in faith. Right? Wavering doesn't receive. No. Jesus, if you've been here studying, we've studied, I guess, ten individual cases of healing now in the ministry of Jesus. And how many times have we saw faith? How many times have we seen Jesus emphasize faith and look at people and tell them, according to your faith, be it unto you. As you have believed, be it unto you. Where did Jesus put the emphasis? He didn't put the emphasis on the will of God. People do. He didn't. Who are you going to stay with? He didn't put the emphasis on the power of God, did he? What did he put the emphasis on? The individual's faith. Now people can make fun of us. They can mock us. Oh, that's that faith bunch. We say, thank you. (laughs) It's that faith bunch. That name it and claim it bunch. 
That blab it and grab it bunch. Confess it, possess it bunch. And we say, Amen. Amen. That's us. Wasn't that a good testimony Phyllis read about the folks that had the grown son who was into drugs? And no doubt they had prayed for that boy, no telling how long and how many years, but if you pray in unbelief. But notice where the change came. They said, we begin to speak faith over him only. Wouldn't say anything else. No matter what we heard, what we saw, we just begin to say, God's dealing with him. God's bringing him out. He's coming out. He's turning around. Well, faith calls those things even it be not. As though they were. Calls it that way before it looks that way, before it sounds that way. Well, it takes some strength to do that. Anybody can cry and say how bad it is. And, oh, I guess he'll never come out. And, I guess it's too far. Anybody, can, any sinner down the street can do that. But we're people of faith. We talk faith. We expect miracles. And God doesn't disappoint. Well, we have gone through now ten different individual cases. What we're doing in this uh, study of healing called receiving and ministering healing, we've been going through the individual cases of healing that are recorded in uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You might think it's a, it's a lot of individual cases uh, recorded, but there's only about 19 that deal specifically with healing. There are many places, or I should say several places, where we're told that multitudes were healed. So a lot of people number-wise got healed, but there's only a, a handful, 19 I'm, I'm saying, that where we're told what was wrong with them, what they did, what Jesus did. In other words, how he ministered to them, how they received. And so we're studying these in detail because how many believe that's why they're given to us? How many believe that these passages, uh, you know, John said that there were many things that Jesus said and did that were not written. He said, Jesus, there's so many things that Jesus said and did, he supposed if everything was recorded, not even the world itself could contain the books. So we have a relatively small portion of what Jesus said and did recorded. But how many believe the Holy Ghost handpicked this? Why? Because it is universal. It applies to every man and woman in every generation. Right? You're not to read these things and go, whoo, isn't that great? That happened for them. No, this applies to me. This is God talking to me. God showing me how to believe, how to receive, or how to minister. Right? We have studied ten different cases already of the 19. Last week we were on the Syrophoenician's daughter. Anybody remember that? You were here last week? And... uh, Got, we got her healed. Amen. The Lord got her healed. And now, for number 11, you find it's only recorded in Mark 7, is the healing of the dumb and deaf man. The healing of the dumb and deaf man. Or deaf and dumb. Or deaf with the speech impediment. Either way you want to say it. All, would, all are accurate. But how many believe the Lord can heal deafness and he can heal dumbness or speech impediments? Let's pray. Then we're going to read the scripture. Let's release our faith. How many believe people could be healed in this place tonight? Right here. Amen. The scripture said he sent his word and healed them. Before I pray, I know years ago in healing school, I got up and I was just about this far into the service. Just about, you know, just a few minutes. No fast piano music. I wasn't screaming prophecies. I was just doing just kind of what I'm doing now, teaching and getting ready to, to, to go further into it. And I looked back in the back and back on the corner there was a man and a woman and, uh, and she just starts crying. I could see from where I was at, tears just rolling down her face. Well, me just being natural, you know, preachers are natural too. I looked and I thought, well, wonder why she's crying, you know. And I realized I had said several things strong about believing God. I thought, well, they might have got offended at some of that. And uh, so anyway, I tried to just focus on what I'm doing and, and go on. But, she, I mean, she cried through half the service. And at the end of the service, 
Soon as I got through, her and her husband, up they come, march down to the front. I go, uh-oh. Here it comes, you know. And uh, she, she came down there and she held her notebook up at me. She said, look at this. I thought, what, what? You know, I looked, there's pages of notes. And, and she said, look at this. He said, yeah, look at it. I thought, what am I looking for? And uh, he looked at me. He said, you don't understand. She had a stroke. I forget X amount of time ago. Her whole side was paralyzed. She took all these notes with that hand. She looked at me. She said, how do I look? And I said, I couldn't tell anything was wrong with her face. Or She said, it's all gone. Hallelujah. Just like that. Now, what did I tell you that? Because we, we just got through saying about people being healed here tonight. Yeah. See, before I had a chance to touch her or pray for her or do anything, the Scripture said He sent His Word yes. and healed them. Amen. Amen. And delivered them from their destructions. They were open in their hearts and just a few Scriptures and things had been said. I mean, just about this time in the, in the teaching uh, proportionally and the Holy Ghost come and got in a chair with her. And, and heal that, and all the effects of that paralysis were gone, just like that. That's why she was crying tears of joy. She was so happy to be delivered and healed. How many believe God loves you just that much? And everybody around you just that much? Amen? And he hadn't lost any of his power, and he hadn't changed his will about healing. So let's pray, and then we're going to read Mark 7, the, the account of the healing of the deaf and dumb man. Father, we lift up our hearts to you this evening. We thank you for every good thing you've already done for us. We acknowledge that the great teacher, the Holy Spirit, is here in us and in our midst and on us. And all of us open our hearts and minds uh, toward him and toward you and say, teach us, Lord. Speak to us. Give everybody ears to hear and eyes that see and a heart that's open to receive. Give revelation of truth that makes free. Let light come in. And dispel darkness and faith come in and push out doubt and unbelief. And Lord, we believe your word is life to us and health to all of our flesh. And we say, let it be so. And we are believers and we are receivers in Jesus' name. Amen. If you believe that, say amen. Amen Amen means so be it. So be it with me. In Mark 7, are you there? Mark 7 and verse 31. Mark 7, 31. Everybody awake? You with me? We're believing God. We're not just doing this to be doing it. Right? We're going to be better off when we get through with this, right? Going to have more, more knowledge, more understanding, more revelation, more faith, and less sickness. Now, if you like your sickness... And you want to keep it, you should leave right now. Because your sickness is in danger. It is. It is. Your disease is in danger. Somebody said, well, nobody would want to keep their sickness. Yeah, they do. People use sickness as a tool. They use it to get out of work. They use it to get attention. They use it to manipulate people to feel sorry for them. Did you hear me? Yeah, people use sickness. There's a lot of people, you know, they'd like to be free from the pain and discomfort, but they hold on with the other hand to the problem because of what it does for them. So you've got to decide you you don't want to have it. Mark 7, verse 31. Are you there? And again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Zidon, he came into the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they beseech him to put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears. And he spit and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. 
Hallelujah. And he charged them that they should tell no man. But the more he charged them, so much the more a great deal they published it. And were beyond measure astonished, saying, He has done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Glory. You like that as much as I do? How many believe this actually happened? This is no fairy tale. This is not a parable. This is not a simile. This was a man who lived. He was deaf. We don't know how long he was deaf, but uh, it's a good good, uh, guess that it was more than a day or two. Deaf and had an impediment could have been all his life. Could have been from an accident or I don't know, from a disease. Could have been years. But how many know uh, one month dumb and deaf is too long? Huh? A week dumb and deaf is too long. And... uh, you know, when you, when you start talking about these things, sometimes people, because of wrong teaching, they get a little offended and they go, well, God made that person deaf and dumb. They were born that way. God made them that way. He, he made them special. I want to say something very strong. and Some people like it. Some people won't. Deafness does not make a person special. They have qualities and attributes that make them special. Apart from that, did you hear me? Our blindness, our deformity. So many people say, well, God made them that way. Said who? Who said? See, that that is saying that sickness and disease is the work of God. That God deforms, that God blinds. That God kills with cancer? Did you hear me? God gives people AIDS. He causes kidney failure. We don't believe that here. In this church, we don't believe that. Now, if you believe it, it is impossible for you to have faith to be healed. And your faith is the determining factor in your being healed. Did you hear me? You can't believe that God makes people sick sometimes, and sometimes it's his will for them to be sick and have faith to be healed. Impossible. You have to believe it's God's perfect will for everybody to be healed and deformity free. I said, well, why are these things? Well, we're going to get into some more detail about that later. Some of our accounts actually get into some of that. So I'll spend more time on it later, but but just suffice it to say, how many understand that there would never have been any death in the earth if there had never been any sin? Is that right? Mm, Death came by sin. Well, death doesn't just mean physically dying. Spiritual death has myriad offspring. Grief. And anguish and torment, mental and emotional torment, is one manifestation of spiritual death. Poverty and lack is one manifestation of spiritual death. You know, there are people, some of us say, well, you know, we're poor, but we're proud, and people act like God made them poor. Listen, the, the end of poverty, the extreme of poverty, is not having enough food to keep yourself alive. That is the maximum manifestation of poverty. You don't have enough water or sustenance to keep your body alive. I understand that there are people on the planet today, children and people that died just not having enough to eat. How many think that could be God? There is no way that that's God. Somebody said, well, if, if God don't want it, why don't he do something about it? He has. He sent Jesus. Why don't God do something about it? He has. Well, if God's a God of love, if He's really who He Almighty and He loves humanity, why does He let all this stuff happen? Why doesn't He do something? And why don't you humble yourself and believe Him? He has done something. Wasn't His fault that death came into the earth? He didn't make Adam and Eve sin. 
Did you hear? He hasn't made mankind sin and be selfish and choose their own ways and lie and murder and steal and kill. All the terror and all the destruction that is in the earth today is because man has a free will. Are you with me? Sin is not his will. Therefore, all the offspring and results of sin are not his will either. If there had never been any sin, there would never have been any physical dying or sickness or disease or poverty or wouldn't even been any thunderstorms. Wouldn't have been any hot weather or cold weather. You watch. Here real soon when the Lord comes back and straightens this thing out, you talk about some perfect weather. It will never be even a little bit too warm or even a little bit too cool. Never. Never be a little bit too dry or a little bit too wet. Ever. Never. You say, well, I just don't believe it. I believe it. You know, nothing happens without a reason and that God's behind all of it. Well, you believe wrong. No. We believe the scripture that says God is a good God. And he does good. And Jesus went about doing good. Everybody say doing good. Come on, help me now. Went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the day. All the people that Jesus healed were what? Weren't any of them Ministered to by God in that sickness? There was none of them that God was doing something in their life? Every person that got healed in Jesus' ministry were oppressed of the devil? Sickness is called satanic oppression. It's called satanic bondage in Luke. It's called a work of the devil uh, in Psalms. It's called an evil thing in Job. I'm understanding there's no way you can make cancer into a good thing. And I says, well, you know, I got back to God when I thought I was going to die with that cancer. And so really the cancer was a good thing. Oh, no, honey, don't get confused. You could have got back to God before you got sick. Now, if you got back to God, that was a good thing. But cancer that chews up your body is not a good thing. Not now, not ever. It won't make you special. Did you hear me? It's not good. God's not pleased with it. Let's fight it. Let's stand against it. Let's resist it. Amen? Amen. Understanding that it's not the will of God. Doesn't please Him. Resist it. So why do you keep talking about all that? Well, there are reasons why. Sometimes people have only heard the opposite of this for 50 years. That it might be God's will. He's working something out in your life. He's teaching you something with this disease. And we don't know why, but God sees fit to do these kind of things. Those are not scriptures. Those are men's feeble attempts to explain things they don't understand. Did you hear me? Jesus is the perfect expression of the will of God. Everything you see him doing is revealing the will of God. Everything you hear him say is revealing the will of God. Did he ever make anybody sick? Even one time. Did he ever tell somebody even one time, I'm sorry, it's not God's will to heal you. Even one time. Did he ever tell anybody, I'm sorry, the timing is not right. God's working something out in your life and soon, but not right now. Even one then we have no scripture for such positions. Which would make that doctrine unscriptural. In order for something to be faith basis and build your life on it, it needs to be scriptural. And in order for something to be scriptural, what must you have for it? Scriptures. Right? And people make fun of us and and say, well, that's not right, that's not right. We got scripture for what we're talking about. Where's your scripture? Where's it at? Not one case. Amen. Jesus making people sick or the acts of the apostles telling people it wasn't God's will. Amen. How many believe this man was deaf and he was dumb, but then he was healed? Amen. Who could hear 
wonderful and talk plain. Oh, what can happen when people get to believe in God? How quickly things can change. I, we don't know how long this man was this way. It doesn't tell us. But it could have been a long time. Could have been born this way. I don't know. But he's a grown man. And if he was this way all his life, people say, yeah, but this has been so, this way a long time. Yeah, but it can be changed so quickly. Even if something has tormented you for 20 years, just like that, if you can believe God, God has the power and it is his will to change it. Yeah, but this, this kidney hadn't worked in X amount of years. Well, how long had it been since his ears worked? How long had it been since he could talk plain? We already studied about the woman with the issue of blood, didn't we? Twelve years. I don't care how long it's been. God can do it quick. If you can believe. How many believe in miracles? How many believe that it doesn't make any difference what it takes? Sometimes people, you know, they get all hung up on going, well, we don't know what's wrong or we don't know exactly what needs to happen. You'll never know everything that needs to happen. And none of the experts that you'll contact will ever know all the details. People think that we're so advanced technologically now. Oh, yeah, we understand it all. Yes, people, okay, well, what about childbirth? Oh, we understand it. We can take you to the point where from the egg to the, the stages, we can take you through every stage and show you great, wonderful. What makes it go from one stage to the other? They'll go, life force. Tell us about life force. Show it to us on the microscope. Give us a graph. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, natural man only sees the outside. And that's the far lesser part. The big part's on the inside. Amen? And we got the big part because the greater one lives in us. Do you think it'd be hard for the Holy Ghost inside you to go, huh, totally change your eardrums? Huh? For the, I mean, the Holy Ghost wouldn't even have to try. He's the one who moved over the face of the deep on the whole planet when it was dark and void and God spoke and light came out. And, and I mean, he's the one who does, that's the kind of stuff he does. And he's in you. Do you think it's a big deal for him to restore a kidney? No. Or energize a liver? So you gotta believe in miracles though. I said you gotta believe in miracles. If you say, well, now, if I can't see it under the microscope, and if you can't explain it to me, then I can't believe it, right? And you won't have it. Well, if I could see it, I could know. Seeing is not believing, never has been, never will be. You believe when you can't see. Amen. 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 Believe in miracles. Like Brother Hagin used to say as a little boy, he said he could not figure out how they had a black cow, gave white milk. You churn it, make yellow butter. He couldn't figure that out with his little head. But all the while he's trying to figure it, he's a drinking the milk and eating the butter. We don't have to wait till we figure it out. Just believe it. Believe it. Expect it. Have it. Verse 31. Again, he departed from the coast of Tyre and Zidon. He came to the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coast of Decapolis which means ten towns. And they bring to him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. Other translations say, one says he stammered. One says he was unable to speak intelligibly. So he was making sounds, but you couldn't understand what he was saying. Another one said he was hardly able to speak. So that's, these all go hand in hand. He, he could make some sounds, but obviously, you know, later on it says his tongue was loosed. Huh? So his tongue was tied or limited or, or restricted by some, some way. 
And it says, and they beseech him to put his hand on him. Now we're talking about how to receive healing, how to minister healing. They came to Jesus. And they besought him. One translation says they implored him. Would you please come put your hand on Bob or John or Jim or whatever his name was. Jim was deaf and couldn't speak plain. And they came to Jesus as he was traveling. And they said, would you please come, please come put your hand on him. Now this tells us volumes right here. Doesn't it? Yeah. Why would they ask him to do that? Huh? You don't ask somebody to lay hands on you. Unless you have faith. Amen. In the laying on of hands. Yes. Right? Amen. We know. Th- this reveals faith right here. We know. They had faith in healing. Right? They didn't believe healing had passed away. Not only do they believe in healing, they believe in miracles. A lot of times something like this is not a matter of a healing. I mean, if somebody's born without eardrums, their eardrums don't need to be healed. There are no eardrums there to heal. Right? They, they would have to be created. Can God do that kind of thing? Yeah, He can. Yes, He can. They have faith and they believe in healing and miracles for everybody for today. If they didn't believe it was for them, they wouldn't be there asking. If they didn't believe it was for now, they wouldn't be there asking. Right? They believe they have faith in the laying on of hands. How many understand that laying on of hands is one of the principal doctrines of Christ? It's mentioned in the New Testament along with baptisms and, and the doctrine of repentance and, and faith toward God and, and these kind of things. How many understand laying on of hands is a holy thing? It's not to be mocked. It's not to be done lightly. Some people in charismatic circles and word and faith circles, I think, lay hands on people too much for too many things. And, uh, of course, some people don't do it at all. So you got two extremes. But what I mean by that is you got some people as all, everything goes up. Well, let me lay hands on you. And they're in every healing line and they get hands laid on them, uh, you know, three times a week, five times a week. And what happens if you get hands laid on you and you nothing happens, then next time you expect less than you did before. And if you get hands laid on you a hundred times and nothing happened for a hundred times, what do you think your face going to be on a hundred and one? You see what I'm saying? And people just go through the motion of it, and it's just by rote. And people get to where they're not expecting anything. You'd be much better off doing it a fraction as much. But when you did it, do it with respect. Amen. Do it when you and the people doing the laying on of hands are in a position to believe and release your faith. Amen. You know, if you have a a big crowd and you have a big healing line, you don't necessarily have time to ask everybody and try to see if they're ready to receive. But when I ministered to people on a uh, in healing school on a smaller basis, there's times I'd tell folk, well, you know, they say, well, I want you to pray for me, and I'd ask them a question too, and I say, well, no, let's don't pray right now, at least not about that. But I want you to lay hands on me, and I could tell they're not ready. They're not ready. A friend of mine in another country, a fellow came to him one time and said, you know, uh, we hear y'all do that laying on the hands thing. Well, they just told you something right there, didn't they? No respect. Y'all, y'all do that laying on the hands stuff, whatever that is. Could you do that for me real quick? What should be the answer? <laughs> no, brother, you, you're not ready. I mean, you wouldn't even have to know much more than that to know. You can, you can hear the way people are talking. And, and he, he saw this, and he said, well, he said, uh, I'm having a healing meeting on Sunday, which was tomorrow, the next day. He said, uh, go, go back to your room and, and get some rest. And he said, come uh, ready uh, to listen and hear tomorrow. And we're also going to have a ministry line at the end of the service, he said. And, 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 and I believe your faith will be in better shape. And, well, excuse me, it was, it was a woman that was asking him this. And... Uh, and she said, no, no. She said, Sunday's the day I work in my flower beds. 
Can't you just do it right now? Well, some people are ignorant of the things of God. They just have no concept what's going on or what they're talking about. So those of us who do know should be kind, but tell them the truth. Well, no, you're not ready. Right? But see, a lot of times folk are not doing that. They're just lining them up, mowing them down, lining them up, mowing them down. People do it again tomorrow and and in less faith than they did it yesterday. Well, a lot of times people would be better off if they were said, Honey, you just sit here. Like what we're doing here, we've been teaching on healing every Friday night. This is our 11th week, right in a row. And, and a lot of times people that have heard something different all their life and their faith's not there and they got all these questions, they're confused, they need to come and be here every Friday night, yeah. right? And if it takes six months, it takes six months. Or if it takes three or whatever, to get to the place where you got your questions answered. Yeah. You're not doubting anymore. You're not wavering anymore. You're ready and you know you're ready. Right? Instead of just going through the motions, hoping something might happen. You understand what I'm talking about? But they come and they said, would you lay your hand on him? (laughs) Would you, Jesus, would you lay your hand on him? What do we know? They have faith. Faith in the laying on of hands. Faith in healing. And verse 33, now this is interesting about this particular account. He took him aside from the multitude. Let's just stop right there. Why would he do that? First thing he does, they they got the man with them. Of course, the man hadn't heard anything that's been said. He's deaf. Right? But somewhere or another they communicated, I reckon, because he came along with them. Let them bring him, lead him, whatever. And he's seeing what's happening. I guess nothing's wrong with his eyes. But Jesus hears them when they say, would you lay your hand on me? He doesn't just go, okay, all right. How many know we should be led in every situation by the Holy Spirit about how we pray and when and with whom and who we lay hands on and who we don't? You know, we talked about this in the offering. But the scripture also says, don't lay hands suddenly on anybody. Well, I think the, the specific application of what he's talking about there is like laying hands on people for ordaining them to the ministry and, and putting them in positions and things like that. Because we just got through reading, just encouraging somebody verbally, you can be a partaker of their error. And so, instead of just laying hands on him, so say, yeah, sure, sure, I'll lay hands on him. What, what's the first thing he does? He says, well, here, give me your hand. And he starts taking him away. From the place they're at. Why would he do that? Why would he do that? Well back up to. You're in the seventh chapter. Back up to the sixth chapter. And the first verse. He went out from thence and came to his own country and his disciples follow him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? What wisdom is this which is given to him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. Why? They knew him. They knew his family. And if you read the other passages, you realize he stood up and said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me. And he proclaimed to them that the anointing was there for them to be healed and delivered and helped. And then they said, Who does he think he is? Now they said this about Jesus, the Master. Who does he think he is? I know him. He grew up with my boy Tom. I went over there. He fixed a plow stock for me one time. Another guy said, yeah, he, he fixed the oxen yoke for me one time. Another one said, yeah, my, my auntie used to help change his diaper. We know him. What's the problem here? Over familiarity. Lack of respect. Does it affect the ministry? Keep reading. 
Jesus said, a prophet's not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work. Did it affect what happened in his ministry? Didn't say he decided not to. Are you reading with me? Didn't say he just decided not to do anything there. What did it say? Could there. Are you looking with me in the Bible? Did this say he couldn't? Huh? Did this say he couldn't do it? See, some folk don't like that. You got to understand, Jesus is not operating as God. He became a man. He emptied himself of his mighty weight and power and glory. And there are no miracles took place in his, in his life until when he's baptized in the river Jordan, the Holy Ghost came on him. And then after the wilderness temptation, he went out of there in the power of the Spirit. Amen. And that's why he'd tell people, the Holy Ghost is on me. The anointing is on me to minister to you. And if they believed it, there was something there for them to receive. But what if they didn't believe it? Did it make any difference? No, we, we used to the phrase corporate faith, but what about corporate unbelief? Does corporate unbelief affect ministry? Yes, it does. Does the, the general attitude and the general belief of people in an area, can it affect what God does? In that area. No question about it. How many understand? If anybody could have done it. Jesus could have done it. Right? If he could have just said. Well forget all y'all. You ain't going to believe God. Just just sit down and watch this. Bring me some blind people. Bring me some deaf people. Bring me some paralyzed people. I'll just show you. You know he never did that? You know they challenged him? They challenged him. More than one time they came to him and said, Hey, preacher, these things we heard about you doing in these other towns, do them here. Show us. Give us a sign. Show us. What did he say? He said, There's no sign going to be given to you. Evil and adulterous generation. Did the Lord call us to go prove it to everybody? No, No, he didn't. He said, prove it to me. (laughs) Not my job. Can't. What's our job? Go into all the world. Proclaim the good news. Tell people how Jesus paid the price for their sins. Tell them how he took their sicknesses and bore their infirmities and pains. Tell them how he became poor so they could be rich. Tell them how he sent the Holy Ghost to fill them and empower them. What if they don't believe it? He that believeth not shall be damned. Condemned. Won't receive. How about him or her that believes though? Hey, preachers. If you run across folk that don't like it and don't want to hear it and try to, you know, shut you down, just keep a preacher say, next, please, next. Yeah. I know somebody wants to hear this, right? And if you just keep on preaching it, somebody will want to hear it. And when they hear it and believe it, they'll get results. Amen. I don't care if you have to go through 10,000 to find one that believes. Yeah. Stay after it. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You keep preaching the truth, keep believing the truth, you will see results. But you got to be persistent. He grabs this guy by the hand and just takes off with him. And I don't mean they walked around the side of the building. Where'd they go? Come on. I got you. Come on. Outside the city limits. Is that right? They went outside the town. He left town. Didn't he? Not Elvis has left the building. Jesus has left town. <laughs> Didn't he? he? He's out of there. He, he left. Why? Why? 
in, in Mark 6 there, we didn't finish reading. He could there do no mighty work, save he laid his hands upon a few, not many, sick folk. Uh, other renderings bring out sickly, implying it wasn't too much wrong with them, and healed them. A few people with not too much wrong with them got healed. But there were no mighty works there. How many know people, blind eyes opening is a mighty work. Deaf ears opening, lame, paralyzed people walking, that's a mighty work. None of that happened. None of it happened. And didn't say Jesus decided not to do it, said what? Couldn't do it. And verse 6, and he marveled because of their unbelief. What was holding it back? And so what's the cure for unbelief? So he went about the villages doing what? Teaching. Why? Because faith don't come by praying. Faith don't come by folk laying hands on you trying to give you some of their faith. Faith comes by hearing. Of course, hearing comes by teaching and other things. So that's what he was uh, endeavoring to do to correct the problem. Brother Hagin said, uh, Brother Kenneth Hagin, that I had the privilege of working with for a number of years, he said back in the early days of his ministry, he was having meetings in churches. And he went to this one place, and he was there for, I don't know, a couple of weeks, whatever it was, and just wasn't getting much results he didn't feel like. He was frustrated with it. So he got to praying extra about it, got to fasting, missed several meals, and went for two or three days, and just extra praying and extra fasting. He said, Lord, what a... What's going on here? I mean, I, I've been to churches where I didn't pray nearly this much, didn't fast at all, and had all kind of good things happening. And here is just, what? And he said the Lord brought him to this passage of Scripture and about how he used to lead people away from other folks, even take them out of the whole town. And he said, this is what you do. He said, tomorrow night you preach. And then you say, would, how many would object to me following Jesus' example? <laughs> and he said, get them to commit. How many would object to me following Jesus' example? And they said, nobody raised their hand. So it's okay if y'all, if I follow Jesus' example. He said, they said, yeah, yeah. He said, so how many would like to receive healing in this place? And a few people, not too many stood up. He said, well, there are more than one time where Jesus led people away. And led them out of the crowd. He said, so how many would be opposed to me doing following Jesus' example? And they said, well, okay. So he led them out, out of the auditorium. <laughs> and away from where the people were. And, and had two, two or three healed that night. Amen. And began to have more results. And he said years later, that pastor wanted him to come back. And he said, I know why you led them out. He said, why? He said, because we were so full of unbelief. The whole church. He said, I was sitting up on the platform going, I don't know if I believe this or not. Well, no wonder you got the head man sitting up there full of doubt and unbelief. And what's he been preaching to the people all these months and years? Huh? And it made it, the environment was such that uh, it was very, very difficult. For people to receive. But he got them out of that environment. And some of them received. Are you with this friend? Are you, are you seeing this? I know I'm taking extra time with it. But does this make any difference? Does it make any difference who you're around? Does it make any difference what church you go to? Huh? What you hear preached. And who you fellowship with. What they believe. It makes a difference. I was able to work in healing school and sometimes see people that were, I mean, doctors told them they should have been dead a week or two ago. And they get in there and you could, man, they look like they might not make it through the service on Monday. But by Friday, they're 80% improved. I mean, it's like a flower opening up in the sun. But then, you know, have the weekend and come back Monday and they look about half dead again. And, and, and. At first, I didn't know what was going on, but then eventually I realized they went back into an environment of complete unbelief. People telling them it might not be God's will to heal them. Well, you just never know. All that kind of thing. 
And even people, you know, sometimes people mean well, but just full of unbelief. Ask you 45 times in the morning, how do you feel? Come on now, tell me, how do you really feel? Come on now, don't, don't tell me that faith stuff. Tell me how you feel. Or somebody telling you about their aches and pains. Hours at a time and... And yeah, you know, so-and-so had that and they died. <laughs> yeah, they say ain't no cure for that. Once you get to that level, that's it. And crime, I just hate to see you like this. I just, it hurts me so bad to see you like this. You look like, you look like you don't feel good. You don't feel good. <laughs> You just look like you're so weak you can't hardly put one foot in front of the other. You, you feel bad, don't you? Don't you? You feel bad. I, I can tell. You're pale. Your color's not right. Friend, that alone would do you in. I'm telling you, you listen to that. You talk that night and day. You'll die. Amen. Did you hear me? No, you need somebody to look at you and, and tell that you're in a bad way and go, we're healed, ain't we? Amen. Yeah, bless God. We're healed. We're going to live and not die. Amen. Declare the works of God. Yes. That cancer's dead. We cursed it. It's dead. It can't grow in this body. Amen. We're getting better. Yes. Every minute. Amen. Getting better. Healing powers working. That's the kind of talk you've got to hear around you. Amen? Amen. Sometimes you've got to leave town. <laughs> Jesus did. Sometimes you've got to get out of town. To get away from it. Got to get away from your kin folks. They love you, but they're confused. They love you, but they're just full of unbelief. And you got enough of thing dealing with your symptoms and overcoming your feelings without having to deal with all their unbelief and fear too. There are times when you, you don't need it. You cannot afford to have to deal with all their junk too. Because it's taking everything you got to deal with your own thoughts and feelings. Is it times like that? You need support. Somebody's going to talk faith and living. Amen? And healing to you only. Can you say amen? amen? You see why he got him out of town? That's also why later he told him. He said, don't tell it to anybody in the town. You remember that? Now some folks say, well, I, know, gee, I think Jesus was just trying to use reverse psychology on them. Because he knew they couldn't tell it. I mean, they couldn't not tell it. He, he, you know, he knew it was so good they'd have to tell it. So... He just, you know, kind of told them a lie. You mean he really wanted them to tell it, but he told them not tell it? No. He meant don't tell it. And let me tell you some very strong reason. If there was so much unbelief and so much disrespect for the things of God, he wouldn't even pray for the man in the town. Then if the man goes back in the town and says, hey, man, let me tell you what just happened to me. Let me tell you what Jesus did for me. What are they going to say? If they're that full of unbelief, if they're that disrespectful of the things of God, what would they have done? They said, I don't believe all that. You never had anything wrong with you to start with. That's just a bunch of hocus pocus mind game psychology. He he blew something on you, didn't he? He 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 had some kind of ointment, didn't he? He. He uh, is some kind of a spell. Well, friend, all that kind of stuff is serious business because it's blaspheming the Holy Ghost. Oh, he's probably got a devil. That's, that's a work of the devil. Friend, calling a work of God the work of the devil is blaspheming the Holy Ghost, Jesus said, from which there's no forgiveness. I think that's one reason why the Lord told them, don't go back in there and tell it. Why? Because all these folk that mock the work of God, they're going to be held accountable for it. He'd rather they didn't even hear about it, didn't even know about it. 
Do you see this? Took him out of town. Everybody say, out of town. Sometimes you got to get out of town. Sometimes you got to get out of the house. How many know what I'm talking about now? I'm not just by myself. How many know what I'm talking about? There are times when you go, I got to get out of here. I've heard how do you feel one too many times. If I hear it again, I'm going to blurt out, don't ask me how I feel. Let me tell you what I believe. Amen. Meditate what you believe. Can you say amen? amen. He, uh, he took him out of, town, out of town. And he put his fingers in his ears. Everybody put your fingers in your ears. That's what he did to him. And then he spit. Now don't spit. <laughs> but he spit. I'll illustrate. Oh. Did it say he spit? I said, oh, brother. I'm reading the Bible. He spit. He spit. And then he did what? What did he do? Now, there's a reason why I'm doing all this. What did he, what did he do? He went, Phew. He said, stick your tongue out. Didn't he? Most time people got their tongue in their mouth, right? How are you going to get to the tongue? And I said, dear, are you kill oh, that can't be God. It was God. Poking your ears and your finger in people's ears and spitting on the tongue, your hand, putting on the tongue, that's unsanitary. Yeah, and you get in your head and you try to figure everything out and you're not going to receive it. If it don't match all the things the way you think it ought to be, you won't receive. you got to be willing to obey what he tells you when he says go dip in the river. Go wash in the pool of Siloam. Go fill the water pot up with water. Why? That'll keep you out. Why? Why do that? Why ask why? Believe. If he said do it, do it. Reached up and put his fingers. They're out of town, outside the limits now. Put his fingers in his ears. He said, put your tongue out. (laughs) Slap that hand on that tongue. Hey, friend, if you ain't never been able to talk plain all your life... (laughs) Everybody made fun of you because you stammering. You are you kidding me? He wouldn't have cared how much spit you put on that tongue if it's gonna fix it. And immediately, everybody said immediately. Oh, now close your eyes. Can you see it? Can you see it? Can you see it? He pulls his fingers out of this guy's ears and he's put that hand on that tongue and that guy says, "I hear it. I hear it. I hear it." He's pronouncing his T's and his S's and his I's. Speaks plainly. Just that quick. Everybody say just that quick. Just that quick. Just that quick. Hearing. Hear the birds singing. Hear somebody stepped on a twig. (laughs) Hear some children laugh around the corner over there. I imagine Jesus is smiling, looking at him too. I wonder what one of the first things he said with his plain speaking now. I wonder what he said. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I believe these things happen still. I believe they still happen today. Amen. I believe God can still use the touch. Do you? Of the human hand. He'd use any kind of thing he wants to. I mean, but he used mud. He used spit. He used hands. He used the spoken word. But it's about releasing your faith. Can you say amen? Straightway his ears were open. String of his tongue was loosed. He spoke plain. He began to talk plainly. 
Jesus charged them they should tell no man, but the more he charged them so much, the more a great deal they published it. Shouldn't have. They did. And they were beyond measure astonished. One translation says the people were absolutely amazed. And they said, he has done all things well. That word means finely, beautifully, excellently. One translation says, how perfectly he has done everything. Taylor said, everything he does is wonderful. How many like that? Do you like that? Everything he does is wonderful. 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 He makes both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Do we have any record of him making the hearing deaf? We have any record of him making the speaking dumb? Uh-uh. But he makes the what? Makes the deaf hear. He makes the hearing ear. He makes the seeing eye, the scripture said. Amen. He makes the speaking tongue. Said out loud, he does all things well. Everything he does is excellent. All he does is wonderful. How many believe that? This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.